We are proud to announce a new sponsor for this podcast, Augie's Locker Room. Augie's Locker Room, which is located less than a mile away from Notre Dame Stadium, was named the best Notre Dame's collectible shop in the country. This shop is amazing. If you are a passionate Notre Dame fan and are looking for that special Notre Dame piece to complete your rec room, Augie's is the place to go. They have a wide selection of Notre Dame stadium pieces, jerseys, helmets, autographs, and one-of-a-kind rock knee items. They have an exclusive Joe Montana signed items. If Augie's doesn't have it in store, he will find it for you. Visit Augie'sLockerRoom.com or stop in at 1811 South Bend Avenue and see the vintage helmet display dating back to 1890. Augie'sLockerRoom.com or call 574-277-NDND. All right, what is up, Notre Dame fans? Mike Singer from BlueAndGold.com with our football analyst, Tim Hyde. We are live kicking this show off Wednesday 7 p.m. Eastern time, as we always do, this Notre Dame football show. A lot more heavy on the actual team than recruiting. It's a little slower on the recruiting side, um, which plays a part into it, but the it's a very interesting time, obviously, coming up this Ohio State loss to talk some Notre Dame football. So, Tim, just how you doing, man? You, you, you hanging in there? You're still with us, so that's good. Oh, I'm, no, no, I'm excited. I'm excited. Here we are Wednesday on to, on to a new game, but uh, no, it was awesome. Obviously, we had a great time after the game. And uh, hey, real quick, uh, I just want to say kudos to all these blue and gold fans, man. Our The show Saturday was crazy. The The video we did with Chris Zorich was awesome. The viewerships and the hundreds upon hundreds of comments we've gotten. I know I try and respond to everybody. I love talking Notre Dame football to everybody. So Thank you guys, everyone out there who's been commenting. It's, you know, it's been on my mind since after Saturday. It was a that was a great show. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, record viewership at least for live concurrence. I think yeah. we were over sixteen hundred at one point, um, which is uh, yeah pretty darn good. And Tim, I do appreciate you hopping on. Thanks. Um, Forty five minutes in and uh, just kind of chatting it up with us. Yeah, we uh, usually go about an hour for these live shows, but that one was a two-hour show, a little over awesome. two hours, because, um, yeah, why not? Why the not? Super chats were, were, yeah. kind of, were just rolling in left and right. So, um, yeah, if you're new to the show and maybe you just found us after the Ohio State game, um, yeah, we, we go live on YouTube two, three times a week, definitely the Wednesday night show. Um, this Saturday we won't have a post-game show. <clears throat> I will be in St. Louis. Um, seeing some recruits and um, don't get back in time. Um, but Tim, Tim and I will do a video on Sunday. I'll go live with Goolsby Sunday night to talk about the game and what's next for the Irish. Um, so yeah, and this Wednesday live show is a staple for us at Blue and Gold. So um, yeah, good stuff around the corner. And yeah, if you go to our, our Blue and Gold YouTube page, we, I mean, we post a ton of crap. I mean, we're, we're doing like three videos a day on, on, on some topics, whether it's a press conference or recruiting or, previewing the game with the opponent, beat writer, all sorts of good stuff. So make sure you lock into this channel and um, go ahead and hit the thumbs up um, on, on the page. If you are, um, if you're watching us uh, live or watching back, subscribe to our channel if you are not yet. Um, and um, yeah, Joey, Rick, appreciate the comments. Um, and yeah, if you're listening via podcast, appreciate you as well. We we'll always recommend to go over to YouTube. We think that's the best way to, uh, to take in our content. Um, so um, Tim, drinking a beer tonight, man? Oh yeah, always, always, always. Anytime we're talking Notre Dame football, I'm gonna enjoy a nice cold one with all of us uh, blue and gold fans out there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, drinking beers again. Sammy Adams Oktoberfest. So um, yeah, no more, no more uh, Bud Light seltzer cocktail, raspberry fruit seltzer, whatever you know that my wife's always buying. Although I do like those sometimes, <laughs> but <laughs> good Oktoberfest for me. Um, if you guys have questions for Tim or myself, um, you can ask any recruiting question for me and then any team analysis for Tim. Drop a super chat and um, we will get to it um, right away. So, Tim, I mean, we have a lot to discuss. I have things I want to talk about that I feel pretty, pretty fired up about. I'm kind of still debating if we want to go there. So we'll just kind of see the flow of the show. Uh, but we will start off nice and easy with the best thing you saw um, in, in, in since our last show, which was last Wednesday night. Um, what is it, Tim? Oh, the best thing I saw was uh, the the viewership for for the game Saturday. That was something I know we talked about a couple weeks ago. 
was, you know, what's, is it going to hit 10 million? You know, cause last year, the Labor Day big game was Oregon and no, oh, excuse me, Clemson and Georgia last year. And it, it was about eight and a half a million. This one over 10, five, which is massive. I mean, look at that with Tyler Hork at blue and gold posted their biggest since 2017. So great viewership, obviously a great game. It's just, once again, the Notre Dame brand, as we start talking TV, playoffs, conferences, all these things, it shows you how important Notre Dame is out there to college football. So that was a, I was, I was really excited to see that number. Yeah. For any folks saying Notre Dame's irrelevant. I yeah. mean, you, my, my father-in-law was over this past weekend. He said, you know, you either, you love Notre Dame or you hate Notre Dame. There's not really much in between. Um, but at least people have opinions of the school, you know, yeah. like, um, yeah. So, I mean, I feel like a lot of people feel indifferent towards Michigan, you know, I know that's not the case for Notre Dame fans, but like a lot of people feel indifferent about it, Michigan or Michigan state or, you know, in Illinois, whatever, Northwestern, but Notre Dame, yeah, you, you, you love or hate. So, um, yeah, mine is, um, which kind of goes into what I was discussing earlier, Tim was, yep. uh, if I want to get into this is, this whole thing, this has been my point. I, if, if someone's watching like all of our YouTube content, you, you're probably so sick of hearing me talk about this, but this whole point on your expectations. Yeah. So I'm a Liverpool um, European football fan. That's my favorite, you know, soccer club. And we were supposed to win today playing Napoli. I mean, we're, we were, we were favorites going into the game. Liverpool lost 4-1. I'm pissed. I'm pissed, Tim. I really am pissed. They're supposed to win, and then we got routed by three goals, right? Real quick, Mike, is that Ted Lasso's team? No. Okay. <laughs> All right, good to go. Good to go. No, um, that's a made-up team. That was a, it's a great flick. But, like, if it were flipped and, you know, Liverpool were – or if you're a Napoli fan and you're – or, no, what, what what am I trying to say here? If, um, if Liverpool is a, a big underdog – and lost by a goal or something you're like you know or and fought really hard you would you know feel rather good uh, about it i feel like that's kind of the same thing with notre dame right now is that they were underdogs against ohio state 17 point dogs and this is getting in i promise this is going to get into my best thing of the week I, I promise notre dame were these heavy dogs and they fought hard the final score was 11 points but I mean, that, that was a tight game that Notre Dame looked really good throughout. And, you know, Ohio State got, a you know, that fourth quarter touchdown to kind of separate themselves. But Notre Dame went from number five to number eight after a loss. That is not much of a drop off at all. Um, and that's kind of the media saying, we thought a lot worse. We thought that you were going to get destroyed and. We were actually rather impressed by you. Um, Ohio State dropped a spot because of Georgia, because Georgia just dismantled Oregon. Um, so Notre Dame's out number eight in the AP poll, and then the coaches poll are nine. Um, so dropping three and four um, spots. So, Tim, any, any thoughts on kind of my – you know, you've heard me say that several times at this point. No, no. I mean, it was – it's a good football game. Notre Dame obviously, you know, was the underdog. I mean, when you do the 17 and a half point spread, they were basically favorite. Ohio State was favored to win 42 to 28 when you break it down. That's probably what the odds makers said. Oh, we'll give them because new DC, Coach Knowles, they're not going to be that good, all that good stuff. So everyone thought they were going to win basically 42 to 20 ish. So as you know, the, you know, was the prediction. And Notre Dame played their tails off, man. They, they really did. You know, when you rewatch the game and look at it, the Buckeyes are better, you know. Someone may not like if I say that they're the better football team. They were over the course. You know, I've coached a long, long time in this world, and it's like football games. It's a game. It's over the course of sixty minutes, obviously at the college level, and over the course of sixty minutes, they proved that they were the better football team. Notre Dame played their tails off. Notre Dame was is one play away from going into the fourth quarter, either ten ten or ten seven, until the infamous double safety blitz they were i mean they were right there right there with the buckeyes so they got a lot of respect going into columbus the number two team the heisman trophy favorite all those things and uh you know notre dame should have got their you know heads kicked in and they didn't 
they battled the number two team down to the end of the fourth quarter. And yeah, and rightfully so they should not be knocked out of the top 10 and, you know, and it's a long season. Things are going to play out. And, you know, I know we'll talk later about, you know, expectations, what's Notre Dame going to do the rest of the way, but the media is saying you're right there, Notre Dame, finish this schedule, get yourself to Clemson, Clemson. And let's see where the the ball bounces on that night. Yeah. So, I'm sure you watched Marcus Freeman's um, yes. press conference Monday and he was asked about the double safety blitz and, yes. you know, you know, he, he, he defended the play call a little bit and I don't want to say he threw his players under the bus, but it was a little bit of a, there was a, you know, if, if Ohio state came out in a certain way, they weren't supposed to blitz and they still did. So I guess Freeman just kind of told the truth. What did you make of his reaction? Well, number one, Ohio State is is an eleven personnel every single play. So what what drastic crazy formation you know were they in? You know, Stover number eight is out on the field all the time. He's their hip tight end. He's their motion guy. He's their he's their blocker. He's basically a glorified fullback. So he's out there all the time. So I don't know what crazy formation. You know, they come out in bunch motion quads, all kinds of you know wild stuff. If anything, you know, as we've talked a ton about that is they had a chance to call it off because Bracey had cramps, comes off the field. And uh, I found it interesting that Al Golden talked about that play because that's what coordinators do. You start thinking situations, scenarios, a play or two down the road. And Golden had already messaged to the defensive staff and Marcus Freeman like, hey, thinking about calling this blitz if we get to this situation. And it came and Freeman said, run it. So they did, you know, and it was a great throw that blitz didn't get there. You know, what's funny is Foskey, Foskey did not play good football and that's probably his best pass rush of the night. He is literally half a step away from getting Stroud, uh, you know, CJ Stroud. And if they don't blitz, he's getting a sack. So that's the, you know, the irony of that play. They would have knocked him out. Maybe not even gotten a field goal. Would have been fourth in 20 plus because, he would have had a sack if they had a safety in the middle of the field, but they gambled, they went for it. They wanted to attack CJ Stroud and the rest is history. Yeah. Obviously uh, not a, yeah. Didn't work out there at the end. Yeah. I want to, I want to comment Tim on the moral victory discussion. Yeah. So what's the difference between a moral victory and taking positives from the game? I, it's just semantics. I mean, I think moral victory, when, when people say, oh, yeah, it's not a moral victory, it was just as much Marcus Freeman said, but, like, there, there's there's positives to take from a game. It's not like we're saying that if Notre Dame loses a game, you know, fire everybody, everybody stinks. I'm seeing fire Golden. I'm seeing fire Tommy Reese in our yeah. YouTube comments. It's like, like there, there, there are positives, you know, it's 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 we're not saying hand out a participation trophy for Notre Dame when we're talking about the um you know the, these positives that come from a game. So I just keep seeing how there's no moral victories, but like, I mean, what's the difference between a moral victory and just taking a positive from a game? It, it's I don't know. I, I, I cringe when I see that now. Well, the to me, the moral victory is when your program's in development and you go and battle Ohio State in uh, till the end. So if Notre Dame's unranked, they're coming off a eight and five season and, you know, they just played in the champ sports bowl or something like that. The Mayo bowl that to me, that's a moral victory. When you're the number five team in the country should be expected to win that, especially with the program Marcus Freeman inherited. Marcus you said Freeman's that word expect. That's my favorite word <laughs> because that? I didn't think Notre Dame was going to win. I got crap for picking Notre Dame. Yes. And but- now I've been getting crap for, not bashing Notre Dame enough. I'm yeah. just like, I don't know what you people want me to do. But no. Tim, how about this point? But how that's a prediction. You're allowed to predict. Hold on. Yeah, that's a prediction. And you thought Ohio State was favored. So did 99% of America. So you didn't, you know, you weren't doing nothing crazy. And that uh, was the pe- pe- people attacking someone to pick Notre Dame or opposite Notre Dame. I mean, come on. Vocal minority came after me. But how many yep. championships Ohio State won? you know, in the, in the past 30 years. So you're, I, I get where you're coming at, where, you know, this, the rebuilding thing, but I think you can make the argument that Ohio state is a step ahead of Notre Dame right now. Oh, without a doubt. So, well, I mean, they just played in the Fiesta Bowl after the 2015 season and Ohio state just toyed with them. 
So, I mean, they are the better football program. They are since Urban Meyer's taken over that program and Ryan Day's kept it going. And there's no doubt about that. Brian Kelly had to take over a train wreck of a program after Davey, Willingham, Weiss, and Kelly got it going. And, and now it's up to Freeman to, you know, to keep the mojo, you know, rolling from there. So, yeah, I mean, the moral to me, moral victories are when you're an underdog, when you're rebuilding things of that nature. But when you're a top 10 program, which in the blue and gold yearbook I brought up a week or two ago, where the, the only two teams that have averaged 30 points and under 20 points on defense and over 30 on offense in the last four years are Notre Dame and Alabama. So Notre Dame is up there in the upper echelon. They just got to win one of these damn football yeah. games. Yeah. You know, Notre Dame's good enough to win it for sure. I tweeted out at halftime. I was like, no, I think Notre Dame's the better team because I think they, they were. They, um, they, they, yeah, they looked outstanding. I thought Reese called a good game in the first half, very scripted. The defense was outstanding. Um, you know, Cam Hart got picked on a little bit, but otherwise, you know, it was strong. So I, I, I think that, you know, look, Notre Dame fans, like I, I'm a journalist first and foremost, and not a Notre Dame fan first and foremost. So I think. I come out with unpopular opinions too much because, you know, a lot of the fans are like, oh, we're going to win. And I'm like, oh, I think they're going to lose. And then Notre Dame loses. And I'm like, I, I think they played really well in a loss, but it's, oh, no, we lost. There's another season down the toilet. It's national championship or bust. Fire Reese, fire uh, Golden, uh, fire Freeman. And that's just not me. So I, I'm, I'm on the unpopular opinion side a lot of this stuff. Sure. Um, but, but- but off of that, with an early season loss, I mean, hey, Ohio State, you know, won a national championship 2014, uh, you know, with Urban Meyer. They lost the second game of the season to Virginia Tech and Columbus and won a national championship. I'm not saying this is a national championship team, but in this playoff era that we're in, if you know, early season loss, you know, you get easily rebounded. Alabama did it a few years ago. They lost the help. When they lost, oh, everyone needs help. Alabama won a Sabin's titles they lost early to old miss in september and rebounded well, and rallied so they're gonna need a lot of help they don't have the conference championship championship game which is that's a real thing and you're gonna need ohio state to be damn good right yeah, or just be, i mean two losses they are gonna be damn good i mean the buckeyes are going to be damn good and the yeah. good thing for notre dame in this 2022 football season is they're gonna play three conference champions ohio state clemson's gonna win the acc Oh, uh, uh, excuse me. USC is going to win the pack. The Pac-12. When's the last time they won the Pac-12? Sixteen. Was that? Yeah, sixteen. I believe sixteen. Uh, no, yeah, not set. Was it? Yeah, it was sixteen. That real good season. Yeah. Same. Yeah, Arnold I believe so. Beat Penn State year. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. And then Notre Dame whitewashed them in seventeen. But you're going to have you know those guys coming up ahead, the 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 boost it. So yeah, well, you know, we'll see. And, you know, what, what happens? Hey, real quick, real quick. I'm going, I got a great positive here for uh, our Notre Dame fans. Since you brought up Michigan, by the way, I went back, did a little history against AP top 10 since Lou Holtz left. I just want to look at the coaches since Holtz left versus Michigan and AP top 10 games when Michigan's ranked in the top 10, Notre Dame, four wins, Michigan, three. So Notre Dame's got more wins. So there, how, how's that little positive for everyone that hates Michigan? I thought I would throw that out there. Yeah, I'm sure there's all some negatives to throw out there if you want to look at like the t- yeah and our good friend mike goolsby's got two of those so cheers to him there you go there you go all right any more reflections on oh, you know emotions aside more of that coach hyde hat on you probably yeah, have watched yeah. the game three or four times by now oh. any other big point i know we want to talk about the snap counts because in our live show after the game that was something we said we wanted to talk about Definitely. so we will but before we get there is there anything else on your mind tim I mean, you know, you always try and, you know, now that we're moving forward and some positives and things of that nature, you know, Marcus Freeman had his guys ready to play right from the get-go. This game was not 14 nothing before you blink. They were in there. They came ready to play. You know, Ohio, I mean, Ohio State on at home takes an early 7-3 lead, and you're like, oh, boy, here it comes. Nope, Notre Dame rallies. They go on that huge 80-plus yard drive, go down, score, take the lead going into halftime. So that's a huge positive. There's some individual players that played, you know, absolutely unreal. Tariq Bracey, we've talked about. Benjamin Morrison at corner. How about Junior Tuli Alamaka, who's a starter on three special teams? Three special teams as a true freshman. I thought that was awesome in uh, looking at the replay and seeing him run around all over the place. 
The O-line struggled as could be, as we know, but according to Pro Football Focus, Joe Alt was ranked, you know, had 80, 80 plus percentile pass blocking. He was like on lockdown mode out there at left tackle. So a great game for him. You know what? And then Chris Smith, I mentioned this the other day. That that the Harvard transfer was unbelievable. That guy was stout, physical as could be. I enjoyed watching him. And uh, you know, I didn't give kudos to Riley, Riley Mills after the game. I thought he played with a lot of energy, a lot of passion, real physical. He was the highest ranked uh Notre Dame player on pro football focus on the defense. Uh, you know, re- you know, played hard, obviously missed some stacks and things of that nature, but you know, there there was some positives. I'm I'm sitting there real quick is Audric Estime, I still can't believe he only had nine. And when I watch the game and he has a couple, when he goes downhill, that dude's a thousand yard tailback. So they got to develop some schemes where he's getting the ball and he's going downtown right now. So physical runner, you know, no counters, no pause, no reading. Give him a gap. Say, Audric, run to the B gap. We're going to double team. And I think he's going to be an absolute stud. And, you know, and I know Tommy Reese gets a, a ton of junk, rightfully so. He's the offense coordinator at Notre Dame. This is his third season. This is the quarterback he personally recruited, you know, but it wasn't run, run, run as much as we think. So, you know, they had 10 drives. Five of the drives started with a pass. So let's not think it was just run, 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 punt all game long for as much as they did punt. He did come out and was aggressive. And guess what, Mike and Notre Dame fans is what if he hits Lorenzo Styles that first play of the third quarter, their first opening drive? He hits him there. Styles has got 50 plus yards, maybe turn it and scores. They're up 17-7. They didn't hit it, but they did take the shot on first and 10 to start the third quarter. So, you know, we could sit and rehash a million things, but there was a lot of positives from some certain individuals in that game. And the team played its tail off till the end. So we got to look forward and see where this takes them from Marshall moving forward. Tim, one of the more fascinating things about this game is the lack of snaps that Notre Dame had. Yes. So I'm going to pull up on the screen for YouTube audience. Um, halftime stats. So Buckner threw 10 passes, completed eight for 128 yards. Yeah. Total plays 28. Um, you had Audric Estime, six rushes, 18 yards, Tyree three for 11. Right. And then you look at the end. Notre Dame only ran 20, 20. 20. I know. <laughs> Second half offensive plays 20. Buckner was two for eight. Is that the correct math? Yeah. yeah. Two for eight for, you know, what, what do you have? The, the Lindsay and the Salerno, Pat? I can't remember. Yep. What. Yeah. The Lindsay 30 and then the Salerno. Yeah. And, uh, uh no, no. It looks like Salerno was the first half one. Oh, that was the first half. Gotcha. So, so the Lindsay one and then, uh, and then one other, I'm guessing one to mayor, it looks like, um, and that's it. Two, two, he completed two passes and a half. Estime went from six for 18 for nine for 21. It, 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 that's yeah. second half. Uh, so I mean, going back through my first half notes and everything, mm-hmm. like I jotted down that Reese called like the perfect game, but yeah, it's him. The second half. There's uh... No, I got a couple things right in my head as soon as you're chatting. It's like, there's one play. It's third and seven in the first half. Third and seven. Michael Mayer runs a six-yard route. They got a punt. It's fourth and one. It's like, how, how do you not run the route to the first down sticks? He runs it a yard short. Uh, they uh, they single up Michael Mayer into the boundary, which we've talked about for nine months. He singled up all by himself, and it looks like Mayer runs a – I, I didn't think it was a great route. It wasn't a great throw by Buckner, but they had what exactly what Reese wanted. Put everyone to the wide side. Mayor's all by himself in the boundary. Come on. He, he, if he's going to be a first-round NFL draft choice, Tyler Buckner, you got to complete that pass. So uh, that was a killer. Obviously, the bomb to Styles it misses by a hair. The Salerno pass interference just felt like just a death nail in a way, you know, because they were rolling. That's Len- Lindsay gets over a 32, 33 yard catch. Chris Tyree runs a beautiful pass, uh, excuse me, a run play. People need to watch. They run counter old school, you know, the old, you know, John Riggins, Washington Redskins from the eighties guard tackle pulls to the right. Tyree gets it by himself going to the left runs for about 12, 14 yards. Got the mojo going. 
and then the Salerno PI. But even on that, the first play there, Buckner runs quarterback bash, which is a Urban Meyer, Meyer staple. Uh, pulling guard to the wide side, it's either a pass or QB duck up the gut. He gets seven, eight yards. But then they go back to Tyree, get zero. That's where I thought, dude, it's second and 18. You got to start thinking four down territory. And they ran, ran, punted. And uh, that was that that drive was a killer because they had so much momentum going to go back and take the lead. All right, Tim's pay some bills. And I hear from one of our new sponsors, Rogue Shop, which is a husband wife outfit as um, Mr. Rogue. And I'm popping up for our YouTube audience there, um, their website. Um, Mr. Rogue and his wife, Shar, are craft cannabis farmers who specialize in small batch, sustainable plant medicine, a true holistic type of small business. They farm it and grow it all themselves, do everything by hand, and their website to visit is rogueshop.com. Now, they're, you know, those products that give you that euphoria, uh, but there's a lot more to it. Um, products have been known to help with uh, anything from anxiety to chronic pain to insomnia and if you have a question about what a product does um, jump on the live chat with the owners and, and for youtube audience you can see in the bottom right hand screen char um is message saying hey i see you're on the site like do you have any any questions you know to, to hop in a live chat with her so i've even received a box of product and char i have it right next to me here you know wrote me um you know instructions on everything she knew that this was my you know first time and you know it, indulging in any of those products. So um, detailed handwritten instructions for me. Um, and their real goal is holistic healing, making your life better if you suffer from stress or pain. So when you write as many articles as I do, Tim, and do all these YouTube pages, you don't get a lot of sleep. So when you do want sleep, you want to sleep really well and their products do help with that. So head over to rogueshop.com. All right. So um got a super chat so we'll go ahead and dive into that from rick palmer um what about defense ohio state's third and three and we rush two and have nine in the back so that was that one that i think um cj shot roll to the right does that sound right tim Found a receiver. Um, I, I believe you found the receiver. Tim, I believe you muted yourself on accident. He found a receiver on the right-hand side, I want to say. Um, and uh, Rick says, bad call because quarterback could have run it for first down. Yeah, third. and Yeah, third. I mean, you do something like that, maybe long to drop and flood the zones. It's third and three. Uh, I don't know. Things like that. I have so much respect for C.J. Stroud. I mean, some of the throws he threw on the run were just – freakish but that play in particular uh, i wrote down a big note to, they dropped nine on third and three so found that interesting i'm a hey i'm an old school you know line up put your best pass rushers on the ground and go tee off the more guys you got rushing the front four that are dominant you know just teeing off and less three three and things of that nature yeah i'm all i'm all for straight give me the two best wide ends and go crash so yeah, I wasn't a fan of that. I actually do. That's why I was smiling when I saw the, the super chat because I did make a note of that. I found that interesting, which leads me real quick. I know Freeman's a big 3-3 guy when he was at Cincinnati. The first time they ran the stack 3-3 in the game, Buckeyes ran for nine yards. So they didn't. <laughs> it was not good at all. All right, Mr. Hyde, we're going to pop up those Snapchat. Uh, excuse me. Snapchat. <laughs> Snapchat. I hear you, man. It's all over the place. Do I have any Snapchats? Uh, no, Todd Burrell is just watching. He just he just sent me um, a, a text. He, he he saw the Rogue Shop ad and shot me a text about it. He, he says he loves it. Todd, hope you're doing well, man. Um, so, yeah, Tim, we're going to jump into the Snap Counts discussion. Now, the, sure. uh, Bloom and Gold did a great article. I believe this was Sunday. Um, yeah. So this is a, an article that's a few days old at this point. So, folks, go to bloomandgold.com. Sign up for $1 for one year to get the premium access. So, you're going to have seen this a few days ago. But... Tim will go to it. I mean, this says Buckner with 50 snaps. I want to say that that might be including, um, you oh, know, false starts. Yeah, fall, no, not yeah. a false start, but like a holding call that, yes, you know, yeah, didn't count you. towards an official play or something like that. Yeah. Um, so we'll start with offense and then go to defense. Anything stand out to you here um, looking at the, the snap counts? Well, I mean, obviously the, you know, the two tailbacks, you know, obviously split carries there. Um, I would, yeah, I mean, I, I was stunned how much 
Kevin Bauman played. I really was. I, you know, and that goes back to them being a 12 personnel type of a team. If that's what they're going to do, then so be it. So I was, I was really surprised at how much he played in the game. I knew they were going to use him and do some 12, but I was really, really expecting to see a lot more 11 for Buckner to do some of the zone read, the QB, the motions, more of that in a spread look instead of a tight, you know, bombing and then uh, the mayor with, with the wing. So that was the first thing I noticed was, you know, how, how many plays that, that bombing played and O-line. I mean, Harry, he's I mean, he finds five, he's going to play five and unless he can't. So that's, that's what he does. So that I expected that up front. Do you think Wilkins getting one snap and Matt Salerno getting eight is a product of Wilkins coming back from an injury or do you think it's Salerno? They, they think is the better player right now. Well, I think Wilkins was out most of camp. I know he was running. There was always reports of him running, doing jog sprints off to the side and, you know, with the trainers and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, he's coming back from an injury. I don't, I don't think he's game ready. He probably hasn't done the live reps with the offense and things of that nature. So that would be my first instinct when I see something like that. And then with Salerno with eight, you know, on the, on the pass interference, they're in 12 personnel. They were tight end with the wing. Mayor is the wing as he tried running that wheel route from the short motion that he was doing. So him playing eight snaps is, is another interesting thing. Cause is that eight that took away from Lorenzo styles? You know, Lorenzo styles only had what two targets, I believe Mike. So that was the huge thing when you look at his snap count to targets. So, and um, yeah, I mean, Salerno, did you, did, does he need to play if they're running that much 12 personnel? And if it wasn't 12, they did a lot of true old school 21 with estimate or digs at the tell and Tyree is the motion guy, which two backs on the field. They did that, you know, a dozen or so times in the game. Were you surprised at all with the, the running back snap count that, um, no. I guess that kind of same thing with digs is that he was just yeah. coming back from injury coming as back. well to me that, um, hampered is, is, you know, time on the field, but, uh, estimate out, um, you know, getting on the field more than Tyree. Yeah. I mean, that, Excuse me, that was surprising because he's the junior. He's been around a little bit longer. You know, I I thought they were going to do some Tyree, some out trying to run outside zone behind, you know, f- you know Fisher on the right side and Joe Alt on the left side and try and run some stretch plays and whatnot. They never did. I think Chris Tyree is really good at that. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I was a little surprised at that. Because that, it seemed like Chris Tyree, most of his plays were slot motions, things of that nature you know i have to go back and see exactly how many at tell but man he he sure didn't line up as a true tailback often yeah so he got six carries for 28 yards had that 14 yard run and a couple and then, of those were jet sweeps and then one reception for six yards i, yeah. I people in the comments are are not happy about reese and that's a fairly common response i, I mean it's just if you lose a game, it, it, you usually, especially for Notre Dame, when Notre Dame loses, it's often the offense stink, stunk it up, which was obviously the case in this second half. So it's yeah. people are coming after the offensive coordinator's head. Um, a lot of people asking for screen passes. Do you, do you think that would have made a big difference, Tim? I talked about this, you know, with you know yourself and Mike Goolsby on the show Saturday. Was that was I actually wrote that down in my notebook when I'm charting plays during the game was how surprised I was. We did not see Dylan McCullough's influence, I guess I want to say, because he's been with Andy Reid and Andy Reid is the best screenplay coach in the NFL. I mean, Bill Belichick's talked about him. Every NFL coach, when they prepare for the chiefs, you always hear him talk about screens, motions, the trick screens, the, the folding screen, so many different screens. I really was expecting Dylan McCullough to be like, Hey, Tommy Reese, you know, here's a dozen of these. Let's find two that are good, are good for our uh, kids here. So that blew me away. Tim. I was re- especially with Ohio State Heaton running so many twists. They were running tons of twists, which I call 33. You got your D tackles in the B gap and the ends wide, crashing double loop that ends up the A gap. So they're expecting those D ends to be the the edge protectors. You could have run screen on them, and they just never tried it. Tim, can you? Give us the X's and O's on why screen passes are so important, whether it's a bubble screen, tunnel screen, um, tight end screen, um, your traditional halfback screen. 
why is that something that you know Notre Dame should be incorporating in its offense more? Well, well, on your quick passes, you know, your line passes, your bubbles to the slots and whatnot, you're just basically saying this is just an extension of the toss, the outside zone. We're just dumping the football right now to one of our better football players. And that goes back to me saying, why isn't Styles at the slot and run some of those with him? They did last year. Styles got a handful of slots and got some great yards last year. So that those are so easy because just pitch and catch. And you could do that with tempo. Something, obviously, Marcus Freeman talked about. He did not want to do any of that. He wanted to suck the air out of the ball and just drain clock and not go fast. But if you do just a a little tempo at times. Ohio State's not a huge tempo team, but they did it a couple times on Saturday and had some really good success. So it's just a quick dump. And then when the O-line is struggling, I mean, come on, let's be real. Zeke Carell, Andrew Kristoffic, Josh Lug, the interior were struggling. Uh, with pass protection and 51 was just bull rushing guys backwards. Like it was a sled. That's when you like dump a screen, ease those guys up a little bit, you know, cause Fisher all were really good and just one-on-one pass rush blocking D ends. They were outstanding. And you just let those guys right up field, dump a screen underneath them. So the answer to that question is, yeah, I was surprised. We did not see a little Kansas city chief screen game in that ball game. Going back to my boy Todd Burlidge, shot me a text and says, does Tim think that the Ohio State offense was overly conservative? Um, I thought OSU kept Notre Dame in the game because of that. No, I thought no, I thought Notre Dame made some great plays. I thought their that's going back to their their DBs were so aggressive on the ball, you know, attacking the ball, attacking wide receivers, but to back up a little bit. We, you know, I mentioned this a week ago when we started getting the predictions and the X and O's with the receivers was everyone. Yes. You got CJ, CJ Stroud and, and Henderson at tailback and Smith is the wide receiver who they knocked out early. Every other skill guy they got is brand new. People were just acting like they're just going to roll out the red carpet and everyone's going to be, you know, the next NFL first round draft choice at Ohio state, but these are all young dudes. Now they're talented as could be, you know, that the main guy that, you know, what Mbuka, however you say his last name is that dude's legit. So was it conservative or was it, they were breaking in some new guys as well. And they are an 11 personnel team and Stover is not the tight end that they've had in the past. He's not a receiving threat. So he's really a fullback. He's a glorified blocker. And, uh, and don't forget, you know, for as good as Notre Dame played on defense, you know, Ohio state was missing its two best wide receivers. Now, you know, Smith, you know, and obviously Justin Fleming did not play in the game and he was tearing up camp from some of the YouTube stuff I was watching during a training camp preparing for the game. So, yeah. and he was held out, but uh, it's a great question when you talk about were they conservative? No, I just thought they did what they had. And if anything, they realized they could pound the rock on Notre Dame. They dominated the trenches. And I remember we're putting on our notes during our game, Mike, I wrote at halftime to you and Mike Goolsby. You know, if Ryan Day just quits passing the ball, they win this game by two touchdowns. That's all they had to do is run the ball. They were dominant up front. And it shows in the run game efficiency. Mike, Ohio State was 77% run game. 77% four yards or more every single carry. Notre Dame, 43. I mean, Irish. Trouble. Yeah, looking at the rushing stats. Um, Crazy. We'll, we'll go sack adjusted rushing yards. Notre Dame 95 and Ohio State 177. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, you including the sacks, which doesn't change Ohio State's no. rushing yards much because Notre Dame only sacked Stroud once. Uh, <laughs> Ohio State was 35 for 172 um, and a touchdown, and Notre Dame was 30 rushes, 76 yards, and one touchdown. So yeah, I, we, we have another uh, super chat from Rick Palmer. Um, and then we're going to get it to defensive snap counts. Um, Rick says, I like the I-formation call caused some f- confusion on the Ohio State defense forced Ryan Day to call a timeout. Should they use that more often? Well, I mean, in college football, if you're going to go the I, if you're going to go the I, if you're going to go true 21 personnel, two backs, and obviously a, a true tight end, you know, you're going to get, especially against a team like Ohio State that's got corners that are, I mean, Ohio State played man like crazy and just put dudes on islands out there. You're going to get 
nine man fronts. You're going to get safeties up in the box. So you're going to have to account for that and develop a pass game off of, you know, playing man quarters is basically what you would see two safeties playing tight and the two corners playing man. But uh, I don't think, I don't think Notre Dame is going to go to the I formation because Mike Singer knows this better than anyone. What's that going to do for recruiting? If all of a sudden Notre Dame starts running the I formation guys like the I formation when they're getting paid in the NFL. Okay. In college, they don't like the I formation. Yeah, not too many fullbacks Notre Dame's going to be recruiting. Although they do have one on scholarship now, David Sherwood, who got a snap. Um, also, a random note, Eli Raritan went in on a goal line situation, then the timeout was called, and then he didn't go back in. Um, but I um, just wanted to note that real quick. Uh, let's um, go to another sponsor here, uh, which is uh, the Leprechauns game day at Notre Dame, which is inspired by former Notre Dame leprechaun Mike Brown. It's an officially licensed children's, children's book that describes the beautiful pageantry of a football Saturday at Notre Dame. Follow the leprechaun on an adventure from step off into the tunnel and onto Notre Dame's field as he leads the team to an Irish victory. Filled with delightful illustrations that bring the magic of Notre Dame's campus to life for young readers, this charming read-aloud picture book is a celebration of true fighting our spirit and the perfect gift for Notre Dame alumni, families, and fans of all things Irish. Tim, I believe you picked up a copy too, right, my friend? Mr. Hyde? I'm, Mr. Hyde. I'm muted during the commercial. Ah, it's oh, yeah, usually I do that. but It's going to be the... It's going to be the kid's little Christmas gift under the, you know, the leprechaun tree this year. So don't say anything. All right. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll try not to. Um, so, uh, yes, Irish fans, visit www.lepgay, excuse me, lepgame.com, L-E-P-game.com, and enter code BG22 to get your author signed copy today, lepgameday.com. So there you have it, Irish fans. Let's get into those defense of um snap counts what stood out to you here tim because i feel like there's a lot to unpack number one the the 50 50 reps with at viper at the rush end with fosky and justin adamiola now i know justin adamiola is out there sometimes with fosky and some of the packages and whatnot so found that interesting so when you go ohio state with you know take out the kneels 65 snaps let's say fosky's on the bench for 25 snaps i you know I, I, I just find that interesting sometimes when I see that because here's a guy who's a first-team AP All-American this season, preseason, first-round you know projections, all these things. You know what, Isaiah Foskey, you get a break at Christmas. I mean, that's the way I look at it. You're playing the number two team in the country on the road, play him. Uh, Notre Dame rotates so much sometimes. It's like, just let the dudes play. I mean, we talk about Matt Bayless and the strength program and how he's built Notre Dame up, rightfully so. Let the dudes, let the guys that are the dudes play. You know, Will Anderson ain't taking 25 snaps off in a one versus, you know, in a two versus five game. I guarantee you that. So Notre Dame rotates a ton. And uh, just real quick, vice versa, off of that with the Buckeyes, their front rotated. Their safeties never came off the field. The corners played every snap. Two out of the three safeties played every snap. And Tommy Eichenberg, who uh, Notre Dame did not recruit, by the way, uh, just won National Defensive Player of the Week today, uh, Liam's little brother, never came off the field playing Mike Backer, and their wheels were exactly 50-50 reps. So that was a biggie. Same thing with Brandon Joseph. 20 snaps, he's not on the field. That that was the one, believe it or not, that was the first one I went to. I want to see what Brandon Joseph did because I was really impressed with him. And, you know, and I've, not the highest guy on him. I'm not going out there going crazy over him. I wanted to see him in a Notre Dame uniform to be like, is this warranted what he did at Northwestern? And I thought he played outstanding. I really did. So I, that guy needs to be on the field a ton. So, and uh, the other safeties, Houston Griffith had one more than DJ Brown. I found that a little interesting as well. Cause um, you know, I, I don't know how good those guys really play to tell you the truth. It was good. I mean, they played good as a unit, but um, I thought the corners really played exceptional. So 69 snaps for, for Ohio State uh, yeah. on the night. So just so you're just saying, like, oh, what do these numbers mean? The Buckeyes, which I'll pull up stats for YouTube again, yeah. you can see total plays. Notre Dame's 48. 
to Ohio State 69. So Notre Dame's leading snap count player on defense was Tariq Bracey, who Tim called the best defensive player on the field for the Irish. Um, Tim, for this secondary going into the game, you had said that the nickel, you know, how Notre Dame would look at nickel is a really key yeah. part of the game. I didn't get a second re. I, I didn't get a rewatch of the game, Tim. So I'm I'm having a problems remembering. Did Clarence and Tar- was it Clarence and Cam staying outside, and then Tariq played in the slot? Where did Ben Morrison get all of his snaps? Because he played 29, which is a lot for a true freshman who just got here this summer. A ton, and and his, all his snap was when the game mattered, basically. Not that it mattered in the first quarter, but you know what I mean? Like, as the game wore on, he was getting in there. Ben Morrison was out there while the other corners were rotating. It was almost like a round robin in a way. Morrison would be out there with Lewis, then Morrison with Hart. It was a little bit of a rotation like that in a way. So Ben Morrison played a ton, a ton. Even Mickey got out there a few as they started to rotate those guys a handful. So uh, that's kind of how the corner rotation went. He was out there while the upperclassmen were rotating and, and taking a blow. And then Morrison would come out and they would go the older guys out there. But Bracey was the true nickel. Never, you know, they didn't, Notre Dame was not in no three linebacker packages except for a goal line and end of the game. The last couple snaps, you know, big deal. Game was over. So they, they definitely lived in their uh, nickel True, you know, true two linebackers played, which, what is it, Leah Fow and J.D. Bertrand played the most. Um, that was it. Put that back up real quick, Mike. I think, what, did Bertrand have, like, double? Right? Yeah, exactly. 20 more snaps than Bo Bauer, who's a team captain. You know, was a team captain. Bo Bauer only played 25 of nearly 70 snaps as a team captain. That's a, That's an interesting statistic I noticed as well when looking at this. Yeah, I'm just thinking these past few years, there's always that one true freshman who just kind of is the yeah. surprise performer. You know, like Clarence Lewis was that in 2020 and Joe Walt in 2021. And both of those guys enrolled in the summer. They were not early entrants who got 15 spring practices. Ben Morrison got to Notre Dame in June, if I'm yep. not mistaken. Yep. And it seems like he's already on track for that. We thought it was going to be Jaden Mickey, but. I think the media kind of fell in love with Mickey in the spring seeing him and kind of had some, you know, uh, you know, let his hair down as Mike Goolsby always says. Um, (laughs) But Ben Morrison, I I think it's going to be him. You want to add any additional thoughts on Morrison? No, I I talked about it Saturday night after the game. He looked like an SEC corner. And when I say SEC corner, I'm talking about his length, his attitude, his his mannerisms, you know, the way he walked, the way he was talking to the Buckeyes out there, like, let's play ball. He was just so hyped, so excited. Well, rightfully so. He's a true freshman playing in Columbus, right? So, yeah, he's hyped up times 10. But uh, he just – he looked the part. He looked the part. He looked like a dude that Notre Dame really hasn't had a guy like that at a corner. You know, obviously Julian Love, you know, Troy Pride, guys like that. I mean, Notre Dame's had good corners, don't get me wrong. But as a true freshman out there – Acting, walking like he was. No, he, he he was a dude. And you know why Washington, which has sent a ton of DBs to the NFL, wanted him so bad. And Nick Saban in Alabama recruited the heck out of him. He's got the pedigree, as we've talked about, his family and his, his father as part of that great Desert Swarm defense, University of Arizona and Coach Dick Tomey in the early 90s. Uh, no, Ben Morrison's a dude, no doubt about it. Just I, I loved watching that guy play. All right, last segment of the night is we're going to give our revised to season score predictions, um, or, or, or season record, I should say. Tim, what was yours before the Ohio State game? I didn't do I didn't I didn't do game by game prediction, but I said I said if if Notre Dame wins, they're going twelve and zero. No, no if. I, well, I truly well, believe that. Now that they've lost. Now well, that they before, so you thought twelve and zero. I thought twelve. I thought they were going to beat the Buckeyes. I really did. I thought Notre Dame was going to have a magical season. I really did. I thought this was going to be it's two thousand twenty two. I thought it was going to be two thousand twelve. Thought Notre Dame was going to run the table. I I just did. They got big games at home, and Notre Dame historically, you know, I mean, obviously they lost in sixty four. Don't get me wrong. They've had a few games, but when Notre Dame goes on the road in L A. when it matters, tradition means uh, says that they do win, and I thought they would do that. 
All right, let's look at what's next for Notre Dame. Uh, this weekend is Marshall, which we're 49 minutes in. We haven't talked about them yet. Um, Tim and I will do our final thoughts and predictions video, which will run Friday morning, where we'll, we'll talk about the uh, thundering herd. Notre Dame's, what, three touchdown favorite on. We also interviewed a beat writer who covers Marshall, and that posted to Blue and Gold earlier today. So plenty of preview content there, as well as an update on uh, uh, on Notre Dame um, following Marcus Freeman's press conference. We'll have that with Tyler Horka tomorrow afternoon. So uh, Marshall, 2.30 p.m. next week, or excuse me, this Saturday. Cal next week, same time. Inside Notre Dame Stadium going at uh, North Carolina the 24th. TBD on the game time there. Uh, BYU, 7.30 in Vegas. Uh, Notre Dame Stadium um, hosts Stanford, 7.30 October 15th. UNLV comes to the stadium uh, the 22nd, and I'm not going to read all of this. Syracuse, Clemson, Navy, Boston. What do you guys know the schedule? Long way to ask, Tim. What what, what do you think? Coming out of Ohio State, first off, Marcus Freeman needs a win, okay? That guy needs to have a post-game beer with his coaches after a that, not that play an OSU. Don't play another OSU. It's not, not a good omen. No Oregon State, you know, don't don't play don't play the beeves. Uh, yeah, I mean that guy needs a win. Okay. So uh but move I'm telling you, moving forward, it's right, it's right there. If they have a loss, yeah, you, know, you know, I'm right here with Joey. I love it, Joey. 11 over it, it's right there. If if Notre Dame is, I mean, the, the games, the Clemson, well, the game's really the Brigham Young game, tell you the truth. But if Notre Dame is not seven and one going into that Clemson game, then you're definitely looking at a you know a nine and three type of a football season, which is going to be a drag. I mean, they're going to be playing in. The, I always say the Cheetos Bowl or the Mayo Bowl since those are so popular. But they're going to be in one of those. And uh, you know, they obviously got to win this game at UNC is going to be a biggie because there's you know obviously they're going to be offense Mac Brown, but there's no reason why they they should not win these next few games, get healthy, get ready, figure out what they want to do, you know, figure out what they want to do on offense. That's going to be the big thing. And and, and my thing on the offense is Marcus Freeman. This, this is stuck in my head since the post game where Freeman talked about the three running backs you brought up, Mike, they had different packages for every single running back, which as a football coach, I'm like, so that means you got three different offenses, find an offense and what, what's your identity and stick to it and run it. Quit. Well, we're going to do this with Tyree. We're going to do this with Dick. No. What is your offense? Figure it out and go attack. If you're going to be 12 personnel, be 12 personnel. Find your two best wide receivers and let's go attack downhill run game. No problem if that's what they want to do. So, uh, you know, no issues with that, but figure it out. So they got to get to BYU. BYU's senior laden, loaded, a great quarterback, a lot of good football players. But Notre Dame's got better football players than everybody on this roster until they play Clemson schedule. Yeah. I mean, they do until, yeah, until they play Clemson, Clemson's D is a freak show. They are fast as molasses. I mean, they're fast, man. They, those dudes run. That's going to be a little football game, but it's at home. And do you really think DJ, DJ ain't going to have the year he had in 2020, you know, and who knows if, you know, Clay, uh, you know, club neck ain't going to be the quarterback. So who knows, but, uh, I'm going to stick with, I I'm, I'm going to go 11 and one. And I think Notre Dame is going to be right at that. That four or five marker, I do. So if I say ten and two, am I going to get shit from Notre Dame Nation? <laughs> hey, what did I tell you, Mike? Ten and two is a cop out. Going for it, it's nine. I have nine our three or eleven and one. Do you, do you see this long? This is this is Tim Hyde text message for YouTube audience. This is what I say. Hey Tim, what do you want to talk about? There you go. He says, "Is nine and I, I, I was about to read that comment you just said. Is nine and three? <laughs> Is it a nine and three or an eleven and one team after USC? Ten and two is a cop out. Ha ha yes. ha ha. Why? What do you mean by that? Because it's easy. You know, people. Oh, they're gonna go ten and two. Saying you're gonna lose to Clemson, beat SC. You're gonna beat Clemson, lose the SC. It's one of those. I don't. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm one out. of those guys. I'm one of those guys. You're either battling for the playoffs or you're going to the Cheetos Bowl to play South Carolina. Let's say, and they're uh, they're a hyped up coach. So. I'm I'm one of those guys. Ten and two is a cop out. Pick one or the other. Is no, Notre Dame gonna, that's ridiculous. I, is Notre Dame? But is Notre Dame? Is Notre Dame going to lose one of these games? Don't forget, Marshall. If they beat Marshall, that'll be 43 straight wins over unranked football teams. 
the number one streak in the in the country right now. Is that going to come crashing down in Marcus Freeman's first year? I say no because I'm going back to my preseason rankings of saying this team has too many seniors, too many upperclassmen playing to not to not just rally, especially after the way they just they just played their tails off in Columbus. There's no excuses moving forward. All right, so we have exhausted all of the things we were going to talk about, Sam. We have to talk sure. with these last five minutes. We got to talk Brian Kelly. Oh. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. An old Brian Polian having a crappy game as LSU's special teams. Was it two muff punts and then the the, the game time f- uh, extra point blocked? What would you make of uh, old Bayou Brian's um, loss to the, uh, the Seminoles? Which, uh, yeah... It, he beat him in a season opener a year ago at Notre Dame, but then goes to LSU and is playing it in his own backyard. And, and, <sighs> and Notre Dame fans, go ahead and drop your comments and, and let that, us know what you thought too. Well, well, number one, that was literally two teams that didn't know how to win a game. I mean, FSU turnover in the red zone multiple times. I think the first half, and I mean, you run – the game is over. And they're running toss. The guy fumbles it. And then Florida State has literally the worst prevent defense in the history of college football. <laughs> Daniels was a was a mess at Arizona State. That guy is up and down like crazy out of Cajon, California. Great California high school quarterback, but he has just been hit or miss at ASU. And I mean, he looked like John Elway going down there, just picking everyone apart, taking them on the drive to beat the Cleveland Browns in the eighties. But uh, that was wild, and that. I was, I'll be honest with you. I was, I was, I was mad. Cause I was like, darn beat them. They're going to go to OT. Brian Kelly's going to win this thing and celebrate and talk about how awesome this is. And his teams resolve and all that good, the traits and everything he likes to get hyped about until they lose to a top 10 team. And, um, and for that guy to block the kick is epic. I want to get a picture of that. I'm going to get a fat head of that in, in my, in my room up here. I already told my wife, I want that picture on the wall as we're decorating a couple of rooms upstairs. And uh, I want that. But the Brian Kelly after the game is the best. It's the best. It's the blame game, the 447 excuses. And then real quick, the, the press conference yesterday with that girl, you know, the, you know, the female reporter, the female reporter is, you know, coming in there and, and I listened to it multiple times and I was like, oh my gosh, she literally said that. Cause you see the thing and, and, uh, you know, she's a beat writer or whatever. And let she me, said that that was yeah, awesome. Let me give context to what Tim's saying. So Kelly is, <laughs> you know, and the, and the lady tweeted it out that it was 1157 that she walked in there and mm-hmm. the press conference started at 12. So I guess Kelly was a few minutes early Yeah, and Kelly made a comment and he was, and I've watched so many Brian Kelly press conferences, you know, in the past few years. And so I know he was joking when he made a comment to her saying, yeah, you're walking in late, like whatever. And it just wasn't funny. You know, it was no. like, man, last year he makes the execution comment. Yeah. And then this year you have this. So uh, it's just always something with Kelly in these openers. Um, and then she, she clops back and said, if you would have yeah. won, I would have, you know, been here on time, which is a Bush league thing to say by her for sure. Um, and, um, but Kelly and his humor, like I've personally, again, Notre Dame fans for me, I, I'm just always honest with you guys. Yeah. This is not a popular opinion I'm about to give. I find Kelly funny. I like his humor I, to me. I, I like that dry humor. I do. It, it, it's not funny. And it's kind of like that stupid dad joke. I love those. I just, I'm a, I, I do. So I found it funny, but I, I understand that most people don't. And so it wasn't funny to her. 
Yeah. And she felt like she he was she was getting attacked and 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 she clapped back. So yeah, I don't know the the backstory. Is she a longtime reporter? Has she covered Brian? I I have no idea. But when well, I saw that, clearly, I, I mean, like, she couldn't. She can't have covered him that long. Same as everyone else, at least. No, I hear you. Got there, but <laughs> I was like, but I know she did tweet that. Um, you know, she apologized and she said it wasn't the right thing to do. I, I, it was just kind of an in the moment thing. I just, I would just imagine what the rest of that press conference is like for her sitting there, you know, what, what that experience was. Well, you know, real quick, I thought they would have cut that out. So I went to the LSU football page last night Go on there on YouTube. It, I mean, that's part of the official press conference. He's sitting there chatting and then she comes in late and he, he's, you know, he makes that comment. I'm like, Oh, I thought this was just a side, a little side video. Someone did before the, like that's part of the front press conference that's on their YouTube page on their video, which I found fascinating. But uh, one last thing on the game, I know 99.9999% of Notre Dame people, you know, love to attack Polian and stuff like that. I love Polian because he personally went and got Manti Teo. So let's, let's give him kudos to bringing in Manti Teo and the whole, I mean, Brian Polian recruited the heck out of Hawaii. Notre Dame's had great Hawaiians that have come into South Bend, but the fact, that they literally changed their blocking scheme on that PAT that's been reported. They changed it earlier to fix a few things. They moved a guy from left to right. And then the FSU guy says, no one blocked me. They said it was a giant hole. No one blocked me. And I was just like, that is the ultimate Brian Kelly, Brian Pulley and love affair right there. I've never been a special teams coach, but it's, you have nine blockers against 11 rushing right but it's yes. it's quick to kick it yes. so yes. all we have to do is stop the straightest line folks yes. to get there yeah. and, and then make the edge people go wide, wide. right that's what you yes. get you got to push yeah. them wide and what did they do <laughs> they stopped they focused on the wide guy and let someone run right so to free. the kicker so dumb oh. uh it's uh no that was uh that was that was an excellent. That's a that's a good way to end the show. That's I mean that was just a wild oh, no, this game. Is a, a great way to end the show is, is a big old oh, super chat. So true. There Truman, we go. Uh, definitely appreciate it. Thoughts on Audrey Estman Howard Cross versus Ohio State. I really loved how both um, played. We'll be better. Uh, bank on that. Um, so Cross defensive stats. He had the big one. Yes, he had really. a sack. He had a sack. Yeah. Notre Dame's lone sack of the day. And then had two more uh, or three total tackles. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. It's, so let's talk about cross. Yeah. And, and then estimate. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how are, I mean, how are cross just plays? I mean, that guy just plays relentless, ton of energy. He, I mean, he cares each and every snap. So yeah, I mean, you just see it on film. He was overwhelmed sometimes because those Buckeyes, he looked really small inside on on some of the wide shots and stuff like that. Those Buckeyes are some big dudes, man. And uh, you know what? But he played his he played his tail off. He goes so hard, and his game is penetration. He was forcing some double teams a lot of times on, especially the outside zones and stuff like that. So Howard Cross is going to have a heck of a senior year and and be one of the the main interior disruptors. And that was a big thing they didn't have in the Ohio State game. Outside of the one sack by Howard, is they had no TFLs on the run game. So Howard Cross and Jason Adamiola and the, and the rest of the guys need to step it up and and really get some big push moving forward here uh, as they get ready for, you know, the big road game at UNC and obviously the, the biggie in uh, Las Vegas against Brigham Young. And those dudes are all six, six, three They're monsters and thoughts on estimate. I've said it since Saturday night, let that guy get 18, 22 carries and let him come downhill. He is, you know, I know he didn't have the greatest yards per carry because he was getting hit. I think Patrick Engel posted on our uh, message board, 60, 63% of the runs, it was just like last year again. It was replaying 2021. 63% of the runs, the running backs were getting hit on the line of scrimmage or behind again. So that was a frustrating thing. But when he goes downhill, I'm going to let that dude run 18 times a game. Seriously. They got some backs. Let him get 18, 20 carries. He's a stud. Yeah, so Truman's wearing a, a New York Jets jersey there. Jets, huh? You know, Estime is like, I want to say where he's from is like on the, it's on a New Jersey, New York border. 
Um, so uh, I'm guessing there's uh, th that's your connection. Truman, I want to say you message me on Twitter a lot. So I, I really so appreciate the support. If you got any more questions, you just fire, fire them my way, man. I'll try to try to answer. And I, I really do appreciate the super chat. So Tim, any any closing thoughts before we before we pop out of here? No, Notre Dame needs to win. I mean, bottom. Oh, I mean, Notre Dame needs to win. Notre Dame needs to go in, in the obviously the house that Newt Rockney built, and and they need to win a football game. They have not won. I mean, it's funny. Obviously, we talk about the bowl in Columbus. They haven't won a football game since Stanford. I know it's the last game of the regular season, but. It's a lot of days ago, right? And it, Brian Kelly was coaching the team. What's that? Brian Kelly was coaching. Exactly. The team. Stanford Thanksgiving weekend. So Notre Dame needs the win. These guys need to feel the win to get the Fiesta Bowl out of the way. So close against Ohio State, and they need to get a win and get this ship right and get themselves on a playoff run. I truly believe this football team could do it. All right, folks. Before you get out of here, hit that thumbs up. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, blueandgold.com. Really appreciate everyone watching to the end here or listening. You guys have a great rest of your day. And as always, we'll catch you next time.